City, you are tuning into our first episode of our new podcast, Roast of Iowa City. This is your host, Shafin Khan, with our producer, Shane Sturtz. We are joined today with UI professor as our guest, Jeff Brown, here in the studio. Um, Jeff, Shane, how are we doing today? Great. Doing well, thank you. Uh, you guys want to give me a little bit of background about both yourselves? Uh, I mean... Just you know, I'm a junior here at the University of Iowa. I double major journalism and sports studies. I like to play pickup basketball, and yeah, that's about it. I don't have a I don't have any titles yet. Yeah, I, I teach sports writing here at the university. I also the executive director of uh, Quill and Scroll, which is a nonprofit that's affiliated with the School of Journalism. Okay, Jeff is a little bit too modest to uh, say it, but he's a self-proclaimed Nebraska fan, right? Before he said, "I have no choice. I was born there. I went to school there. I, you know." It's the way it is. It's like a disease. And a big Kansas fan, too, I think. Just basketball. So we got a bandwagon fan. Yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. I was, I was trying to become a Bulls fan, but I watched him play the other night, and it's like, there's oh, yeah. no fucking way. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I thought that, too, when the over-under I saw in the season win total was 21 and a half. So hopefully Bulls fancy to uh, win over 22 wins this season. Without Wade and Rondo and all them, good luck. But uh, getting into a little bit more serious of a topic here, we've seen over the past month or so, a couple of months, hurricanes have absolutely been devastating the U.S. across the board, especially in Texas and <clears throat> Florida. And that one uh, U.S. territory, I forget its name. Um, I think people give a shit. Porter, was it Puerto Rico? Mexico? Jamaica? Yeah, Pennsylvania maybe, something like that. Something like that. But... Um, Question for just going to propose this really fast. Um, as U.S. citizens, do you think we have seen a lot of care go for Houston and Florida uh, relief help workers, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but the media hasn't really been covering Puerto Rico. Not that um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean people aren't helping out in Puerto Rico, but do you think Americans give a shit about what is happening in Puerto Rico? Uh, I'd say yes. I mean, even though the media might not cover it, or I mean. The Puerto Rico instance, the Las Vegas shooting kind of uh, took the front page over that. But, I mean, we talked about J.J. Watt in the previous episode. He himself raised a bunch of money. So I think, yeah, is my answer. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say, unfortunately, that we've Puerto Rico is just kind of a microcosm of what we've seen um, in the last several months. And that, you know, what we thought might have been a sort of fringe racist element in our country is actually more mainstream um, than possible and if people aren't paying attention to puerto rico i think maybe it has or, or they don't understand the severity of it i think a lot of it has to do with the simple fact that these are brown people who speak a language for the most part that we the rest of us don't speak um and if people don't care i i think a lot of that can be laid on the idea that they might have racist tendencies 100 percent, yeah and that actually leads me to my next question um obviously people in puerto rico I mean, I, they, I, from what I've heard, they don't even have electricity for a couple months. Um, that's how bad it is. But they obviously have some sort of news from relief workers uh, trickling in. Do you think that people, the citizens of Puerto Rico, they're looking at Texas and Florida and how they've had like almost immediate aid and just money building up from the get-go as soon as the hurricanes were announced? 
Do you think they feel like honestly more like second class citizens, even though they're technically a part of the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Jealousy is the right word, or envy, or something. I'm sure. I don't know how much you know media they get, but I'm sure there's some uh, wishing that they could get more help and stuff. But at the same time, I know we can't do a pod- podcast without Trump, but Trump was there and he was throwing out paper towels and whatever. But they were he. Everybody's pretty thankful that he was there, even though if they didn't totally like him. Is what I saw. Yeah, it's what it's it what it's what presidents need to do, right? President Trump, you gotta understand that it's not as easy to help out these people on this island, around the ocean, big water, salty water, tough to do. Thank you, Shafin, but I think it's bullshit. You're accusing me of being racist. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Spot on impersonation. Uh, okay. Oh no, that was he was actually here. Oh, guest appearance. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Bouncing off of that, so uh, people like Trump or just like political activists that have come out. <laughs> no, no, you're good. But people that are political activists um, around the country, like that, are like having these apologies or like sentiments like towards uh, Puerto Rico. Oppose like those people oppose the people that actually don't give a shit, just like don't care about it at all. Do you think the people that have sympathy but aren't actually like actively doing anything? Are really any better than the people that don't give a shit? I mean, it's kind of like Jimmy Kimmel. He, I was watching him. There's a segment. He, he was about the Las Vegas shooting and stuff. And you know, everybody says pray for Vegas, pray for Puerto Rico. But then at the end of the day, are they talking to their representatives? Are they actually making a change? So I don't know if that even answered your question. But no, that was good. I yeah. actually saw that segment, yeah. um, and it was really, really good. And he called people out for not actively yeah. doing stuff. It's yeah, like, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so lastly, the media has given, uh, like we said, a lot less attention to, um, Puerto Rico opposed to Texas and Florida. Do you think this purely has to do with just the proximity or that the media doesn't really care as much from that standpoint? Um, that's a good question. I mean, the media is a gatekeeper to a lot of different things. Yeah. Do you think they just don't care or like... Yeah, I mean it, it's it's tough. It, I think we fall into this trap sometimes of of creating this monolithic idea of media, um, and there are all sorts of different journalistic enterprises out there that have different goals. Um, you know, a friend of mine works for public television in Germany, a German public television, and he just spent six days in Puerto Rico uh, telling their stories. And I know that it for German public television, they just want to give people. Um, the best view of what's happening in the U.S. or in this case in the U.S. Uh, territory as they possibly can. And so they're trying to tell these good stories or these, I'm not good stories, but difficult stories to tell. Um, whereas you might, you know, other, other media, especially television media in the U.S. are definitely motivated by how many eyes they can get. Um, and so if they feel that there's better, if there's better ratings in a Florida story or a Texas story as opposed to Puerto Rico story. It sounds kind of cynical, but I think that there is some truth to that, that they, they, want, to, they want the eyeballs maybe more so than they care about uh, the impact of what they do. Yeah, going off that, when, when you keep saying media, I keep thinking of like TV and, yeah, TV. Uh, and David Muir, like ABC Nightly News, like there's always a segment on Puerto Rico, and he even said like, because like I already said, uh, the Las Vegas shooting like overshadowed Puerto Rico, so they started off with Las Vegas. But then he even said like later in the broadcast, you know, we went to Vegas, but here's another story from Puerto Rico. So I think it it's just hard to cover everything. 
but then proximity is a big deal too. Um, that's really interesting. You just said about your friend going down there uh, and tell or like covering a little bit of it. Do you, did he tell you any like specific anecdotes that you could share or like anything interesting? Yeah, I mean, it, the, it, his basic impression um, as a German is that things are really screwed up. And you know, you, you talked about two months without uh, without electricity. I think we're looking probably more like five or six months, based on what he's been able to figure out. Um, that five to six months in a country without electricity. Yeah, think about think about the the impact on healthcare. I think people are everything, are like food, everything, yeah. especially in a, in a tropical area like that. Yeah, you know what do we do here in Iowa? We just light a fire in the wintertime and and you know put our food outside and it'll freeze. But you know if you're down in the in the tropics, stuff spoils and and you know if you're able unable to to run hospitals, you're unable to run all of those things that people need on a regular basis. Basically, instead of it being the 21st century, you're looking at the mid 19th century and and. You know, we're not used to we're not used to living that way. No, this is a fucking riot. People, I feel like we're not cognizant of like the what we're actually saying. What's so nonchalantly said, like, oh, like no electricity in Puerto Rico for two to four to six months. Like, yeah. like you said, hospitals. People can't even get a drink of water. Like, that's the extent so of. So maybe the media is undercovering because I don't even know five to six months. I don't yeah. know the extent of all. I the just feel like people don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think some like ten or eleven percent of the island has electricity now, but you know it's going to be a long time till everything's back up and running. And you know we freak out if we can't charge our phones. So, yeah. No. Yeah. And and like you just said, yeah, people just don't are not cognizant and just don't pay attention for, from like what I see, especially like at my what me and Shane experience everyday college students. We're so busy with school random bullshit but we're really not that busy we're just trying to work for the weekend and then get drunk if, if i'm going to tell it how it is yeah yeah it's not um, that i don't care about puerto rico or anything like that but i mean i follow sports a lot more and other stuff like that so that's that's my reason for not knowing about the situation and it's yeah. it's just truly truly sad because we should be more um aware of this like really sickening condition well and, and you know these problems are so massive that as individuals sometimes it feels we feel powerless to do anything and overwhelming yeah which makes sense but Shifting gears a little bit, uh, moving to a topic that also no one gives a shit about, public preaching in Iowa City. <laughs> Students walk across the Ped Mall, across campus, downtown Iowa City. That's incorporated with campus all the time to classes back and forth, bar hopping, eating, et cetera, et cetera. We see, Shane, you and I see public preaching all the time, whether it's on Antique Cleary Walkway. I have legitimately seen a woman Waving a condom around, yelling about pregnancy on Antique Cleary Walkway. I, I shit you one, not. And is she pro or anti condom? <laughs> um, moving forward, <laughs> definitely um, for the condom. But um, we again, we see people preaching. I see people preaching outside of martinis, for God's sakes, about God, religion, whatever have you, like whatever the case may be. But students don't fucking care at like literally at all. Like may I will, I will speak for students and make a pretty random guess here, but I would say eight to 10% of students at this university that see this public preaching care. The other, the other, the other 90% literally don't give a shit. And, um, I'm I was just interested to see your guys's like take on reactions or interactions between drunk college students bar hopping with a few uh, drinks under their belt. No, like who in their in God's name thinks it's a good idea to public preach on a college campus on a Friday night with students running around at a top five party school? 
that's a good question. I mean, that's pretty impressive that you actually knew what that preacher was talking about. I mean, every t- every time I've seen somebody, heard somebody preaching, I just keep on walking. Um, I mean, the other big one that's tied into this, I swear it's about every first semester, I can't pinpoint a date, but there's about preachers on every street corner handing out Bibles. That's basically the same thing. Um, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, no, I've, I've attended three public universities and now taught at four and this is a phenomenon at all of those They've in, in the deep south at the university of florida here in the midwest um out in the rocky mountains at cu and csu um it's just something that is and it's interesting because it's all christian and certainly that's part of the call if you're a fundamentalist christian part of the call is to evangelize and so they're doing that, but as Shafin noted, it's kind of like, yeah, at midnight or 2 a.m. to drunk, diverse Iowa University or University of Iowa students doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But again, they're called to do that, and if they they see what they think is the devil at work, then they they want to try to, uh, you know, to fight against that. Yeah, I I completely understand. Again, like <clears throat> like you said. Midnight, 2 a.m., people are so ill-concerned about these political protests. Half the guys at Iowa City are trying to figure out how to drunkenly hook up with the cute chick sloppily smoking a cigarette outside of Summit. So, um, But, again, some of these protesters are very passionate about their stuff, whether it be religion, like you said, politics, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think local news uh, should actually give any sort of attention to these protesters, what they're saying, the message they're trying to set out, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, and when I mean hard. local news, I mean like student news, the Gazette, KCRG, et cetera. It's hard for local news to do something, like get a story at 2 a.m. or something, but maybe not local news. The thing I see a lot is, uh, you know, if there's a somebody preaching on walkway or in the ped mall. It's, I see it on my Snapchat story all the time. So more like, I think it's more of a social, digital, media type story. That, that That's where these preachings can gain traction versus traditional news outlets is what I would say. Okay. And then lastly, do you think any sort of good or productive outcomes comes from any of these like interactions or conversations from students to to people public preaching? I've seen several of them kind of devolve into this sort of entertainment, you know, really entertaining name calling. And it's hilarious. So, yeah, you know, good for them, right? (laughs) That's what I was going to say. It's hard to tell how positive or rewarding they are for the preacher but there's usually big crowds and a lot of chanting and a lot of interaction so i don't know if that's a positive or a, a win for them is, is sister cindy a part of the group that comes to uh brother jeb and sister cindy are they still touring the Pro- Midwest? professor i'm muslim i have literally no fucking clue who that <laughs> is all right yeah no, that, that they're the ones that they too. like yell, they yell like fornicators are you a fornicator that kind of stuff this, no, this... this sounds like they're from that one church what's it called uh, uh well, westboro ba- yeah, West oh, okay, yeah yeah god hates fags yeah <laughs> Hello, everyone. So on the Roast of Iowa City podcast, we like to wrap up each episode with a topic we feel extremely strongly about, and you probably should too. Today's victim is landlords in Iowa City, specifically the company's apartments downtown and apartments near campus. Most students I've engaged with or my peers among me are able to give me some sort of irritating, frustrating, or just downright awful experience they've had to deal with with one of these two landlord companies. Whether it's putting in a maintenance request five times or getting charged fines for seven random different things within the apartment, 
it's happened to an unbelievable amount of students. Um, honestly, I said this earlier in the podcast, but Hurricane Harvey victims, Irma victims, even the victims of Puerto Rico uh, would rather live in the mess they have down south and have Mother Nature as their landlord opposed to dealing with apartments downtown and apartments near campus as their landlords. And it's actually really sad. I almost mean that. It's really, really sickening. But um, a story or uh, an anecdote I have to share with you guys from this year that um, I went through as a miserable experience was we moved into our apartment, me and three of my friends, and our AC, unfortunately, was not working when we moved in, which, I mean, stuff happens, no worries, but you would think that it would be fixed when you have new tenants moving in, but no issue. Uh, so we gave them a call a few times, and of course, another issue of theirs is that they don't answer their phones because the voicemails... Uh, and when they do answer, um, they're extremely unhelpful generally most of the time. But you can't even leave a message there because their voicemails are all full, probably from other irritated tenants. But um, we ended up putting going there after about a week, week or two, uh, to put in a maintenance request order. And the lady there tells us, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. All is good. Okay, great. Um, a guy comes by, by our apartment about two, three business days later. Uh, fixes the, uh, fixes, air quote, the uh, AC, breaks down after about 24 hours, unfortunately, and we're back to square one. Put in another maintenance request. They didn't respond online. So then we had to go back there about six, seven days after sweltering in our apartment. And granted, you, this is the fall, so it's really, really hot here. And finally, they came back after about three, four business days after the second occasion of going in. And they fixed it. It's just the whole process behind that was just really, really unbelievably difficult. Just way more than it should have been. So for those of you out there listening, I genuinely urge you to seriously consider finding other landlord possibilities than apartments downtown and apartments near campus because it is not worth the headache and unnecessary pain they will put you through. Okay, well, this I hope uh, all our listeners uh, enjoyed our the first episode of our new podcast, The Roast in Iowa City. This is your host, Shafin Khan, with, again, our <clears throat> producer, Shane Sturtz. And we were welcome <clears throat> to have our guest today, UI professor Jeff Brown. Thank you for joining us. Peace and love, Shafin. <laughs> no problem. It was a fun time. Assalamualaikum. Everyone have a uh, good rest of your week, and let's get a win versus um, <clears throat> Illinois this homecoming weekend. Go Hawks.